Hi, this is Dave Olson. I'm the senior leader of Heartland Church located in Ankeny, Iowa. I hope the following message challenges, encourages, and ultimately changes you. Thanks for joining us. We have some special guests with us. Uh, they're really, they're part of the family. This is their home away from home. They have several. Uh, the first time I met Brad and Kim Campbell, come on up, guys. The first time I met them, uh, I had heard about them. Their, their uh, fame came before them. And so we made an appointment. I got into the meeting. We started talking. And within probably 10 minutes, we're on, Kim and I are on all fours on, the, on the, my office floor just weeping, praying, crying out to God. And I've never had that happen before. I don't usually do that with people that come into my office for the first time. But uh, God just gripped our hearts and knit our hearts together. And, and what it was is I had a vision a number of years ago. I believe it was when Paul Yadaw was here. And I saw the hand of the Lord take a giant needle and slam it into the center of Africa. And then I saw, I saw it go in the top, you know, into the center of Africa and then from underneath, and I believe it was from east to west, that needle went up and down across the north of Africa, and the Lord said, I'm going to sew this thing up, and then the end shall come. And I knew that there was some form, some fashion of a partnership we were to enter into. Now you need to understand, northern Africa, you start getting into the northern part of Africa, that is where Islam has embedded itself. That, those are the dangerous countries of Africa. And I knew that it was going in overtly into the center so that God could launch people covertly into the northern parts. And when I met them, I knew that they were part of the answer to that vision. And so God gives us kingdom partnerships, people that we're to partner with. And we support them. We, we, every time they come through, we, we take up offerings and sow into their ministry. And I know some of you support them monthly. And they are good soil. I love this couple. They are fine missionaries. They went into South Sudan. They were one of the few people who stayed during the war. Many of you will remember CNN, MNS, whatever that one is. Uh, NBC with the MNS on it or whatever it is. It, uh, M&Ms, where they eat M&Ms on NBC. And uh, they were on all the news outlets because they were one of the few white people that stuck around during the war. And... Uh, they, these are people who lay their life down for the gospel. So I, I know they're already up here, but I want you to give a good Heartland welcome to this couple. was for you, Lord. We proclaim you're worthy. We proclaim that you're the only one that we would give our lives to. And we see your value, Jesus. This house sees 
your value. And we give our lives to you. In Jesus' name. He's my anchor. So, I'm, just, I'm just saying this just so everyone can hear this, and the Lord will hear it too. Um, my wife has got the message, and it's going to be awesome. So. The fact of the matter is, this isn't my favorite part of what we do, but you all make it really easy because you're family. And I love this house. You have prayed for us. You've kept us alive by your prayers. <laughs> your love and your hearts, you've housed us, you've fed us. And I want to thank you for that. I don't know if you've been on a mission trip or if you've been in extended missions, but sometimes when you're away from home, and nobody speaks your language and nobody cooks your food and communication is rather difficult. Sometimes just knowing that somebody back home is thinking about you. It means a lot. And I feel like I'm here today asking you if you're really ready to give your lives away because God is raising the bar. And as the knowledge of the glory of the Lord covers the earth, the only way it's going to do it is if we go. <laughs> it's not by singing the song. It's by laying our lives down. And so... Um, I just, I just want to talk to you like family. I'm not, I'm not a theologian. I just want to share my experience with you as just one like yourselves that loves Jesus, and I just want to be where he is. And sometimes that's just across the street. Sometimes that's in Walmart, and sometimes that's clear across the earth. Brad and I have been serving in the nations for a number of years now. Um, we started out in South Sudan. We went there in, um, with the expectation of really shifting a nation. It became the world's newest nation, and half of its population was under the age of 14. And it was a fatherless nation. And so we went into that nation with all kinds of high hopes and probably wrong motives and, and fresh ideas, and we were going to change the world, and we took our two teenage daughters, and within the first three months, Brad got cerebral malaria and almost died. You see, you never know what you're getting into. <laughs> So he obviously recuperated, and it's not the end of the story. We saw many signs and wonders and miracles, and I want to encourage you that the hearts of the nations are in your hands right now, and it's our responsibility.
You see, we're created in the image of God to be the image of God to the earth, wherever that is. And sometimes we have to stretch ourselves. So more than anything today, as you hold those pledge cards, and Dave said you're making a co commitment, you're making a covenant to the Lord. Um, don't take that too lightly. Covenant is a deep thing. It's really deep in every area of the world. Commitment's another thing. <laughs> you enter into covenant so that you can honor your commitment. And I believe that God is going to stir in your hearts and he's going to give you nations and he's going to speak to you. You're here because you love Jesus. You're here because you want to follow God. You're here because you have seen him as the worthy one. And we're all in this together. And so Brad and I have been working in South Sudan with the South Sudanese refugees. We got caught in the middle of the war and this house stood behind us. And that's the importance of being part of the body because we, we actually were surrounded by mortars and soldiers and machine guns and it took quite a while to get out. We lived as refugees, I believe partly so that we could understand what a refugee has to go through. We're working with different refugee populations around the world. And I don't know if you know this, but there are 70 million refugees now worldwide. There's 70 million displaced people. And I think Jesus would want to do something. <laughs> this is an opportunity to go. This is an opportunity to be. And it's not complicated. The gospel is a gospel message of love. You sit you hold people, you place value on them, you listen to their stories. You don't have to have all the answers because these are pretty big challenges that they're facing. But most people just want to be heard, even in America. And so we found ourselves in the middle of the war and we had to call Pastor Dave. I was thinking about this the other day when we were sitting in his office. And we'd been taking care of orphan children. And because of the circumstances that were going on around us, we had to leave those children at the UN and we had to fly out of the country. And at the time, women and children were being executed. And it was a really difficult decision for us to make because we had stood there and promised them that we would not leave. We had to leave. We called Pastor Dave up and he said, whatever you need, we're here. And at a time when your faith becomes so weak and so overwhelmed, you don't like this thing was so much bigger than Brad and I look at us. We're just two little people and we're in the middle of a war. And we're trying to get people out. We're tackling the UN and we're tackling foreign governments because they said these children will remain in a war zone. 
because that's how we do things. I said, that's not how Jesus does things. So we began to try to move the children just out of the war zone. We weren't trying to cross any international borders. We just wanted to get them to a safe place. And then we found ourselves having to leave them behind so that we could tackle another strategy to get them out. And sometimes all you need to hear is, we're with you. Whatever you need, I'm right here. That's laying down your life. And I believe with all my heart that, that this church meant it, that whatever we needed, you guys would have mobilized and done for us. And I can't thank you enough for that because what the enemy tried to kill and snuff out, God raised up again. And now we're in Ethiopia. We're living in an area of 450,000 refugees right out our back door. That's about the size of Omaha, so you can get a perspective. High needs. Right now, they're in the midst of flooding, so the displaced people have been displaced again. One million. They don't know where to, they don't know where to put them. And these are people that are hungry for God. These are people that want to know what is God's answer for them. These are people that just want somebody to look at them and say, I don't care what it takes, I'm here with you. And now we have 30 children. The Lord has given us land. We're developing 13 acres. You guys have sent us a whole army. We've had Roger there. We've had Ed there. We've had Liz there. And they're all giving their gifts into the people of South Sudan. And right now we've dug a couple wells. Took us a year and a half, two years, hon. A couple years. We got two wells and a hole. We're still fighting the government over the hole. But Africa doesn't always go according to the rules, so you just kind of have to give up after a while and let God take care of it. <laughs> but our next step is that we're digging the septic system so that we can build housing for 200 children. And we just had a donor that came to us and said, I'm going to make that happen, so we're going to dig the septic system. <laughs> You see, we don't, we don't have time to worry about the finances. We don't have time to worry about the money. When God tells us to go, we just go. And we let him take care of all that. And I don't know if you know it, but right now the, the Greece and Europe is facing quite a dilemma with the refugees. I know we're having problems in our country as well. And it's complicated. I'm not going to take a stand on how you should think about refugees. But I can tell you, unless you're in that situation, don't be too quick to form an opinion. <laughs> can I say that? <laughs> um, because we've sat with them. I sat, Brad and I sat with people who came from... Uh, Iraq, they're from the province of Nineveh, and they're of a different belief system, and <laughs> ISIS came to wipe them out. They've had 75 genocides committed against them.
These are the people of Nineveh. These are the people that God saw years ago and sent Jonah to. These are the people that have had 75 genocides committed against them, and they refuse to retaliate because back in the day that Jonah went, God sent Jonah there to deliver them from their wickedness and their violence. And to this day, they are nonviolent people. The blessings of God go to the thousand generation, right? Are we here today? <laughs> Whew. That's why it's important that we go. Like, I think he proved that point with Jonah. Do you want to end up in the mouth of a fish or worse? You live in Iowa. Who knows what's out there? <laughs> See, our, our job is just to say yes. That's how Brad and I find ourselves in the situations. We just say yes. Because I figure God's big enough. He knows what he's doing. He's just looking for vessels who want to be the living stones, that want to be the rivers of living water, that actually want to get their feet on foreign soil and declare that this nation is worthy of the love and the blood of Christ. And there is something about getting your feet on the soil of the land that changes things. When you are at whoa. I'm feeling it now. When you are an ambassador of Christ and you plant yourself in the glory of the Lord, you may not feel it, but I can tell you that things shift around you. And I feel like the world is just landing at this tipping point, the sheep or the goats. What nation are you going to be? And if we don't go and if we don't sow ourselves into the kingdom of that soil, I'm not giving myself to Iran or Iraq. I'm not giving myself to their governments. I'm giving myself to God and I'm saying, I can redeem this land because of who he is. I just turned 60. No, I have more energy now than I had 20 years ago. Now you can woo. <laughs> because we got work to do, friends. When we came into this kingdom, when we came into this life in Christ, in fact, I saw these little cards. I filled out a card like this 22 years ago. I was a drunk alcoholic, and I thought I was signing up for a raffle ticket. <laughs> and the Holy Ghost came to my house and delivered me. <laughs> so get your cards. Fill them out. <laughs> Let your life be transformed. Honor the commitment that you make to God. Don't just put in, just don't, you know, Sometimes we get too busy and we don't think about what we're doing. You know, we, we, we have this book and sometimes we don't think about the stories in here. And we don't write ourselves in the stories. Because we're looking at this book as a historical thing. And that's what God did. No, this is what God does. We're New Covenant, New Testament people. This is what God does. But he's not going to do it sitting in your living room. 
Hope you love me by the time I'm done. <laughs> so we've been to Greece, and we've been with these Yazidi people, dearest people on the face of the earth. And they worship idols because they don't know. This woman carried, she's probably 35. She walked 15 days with one liter bottle of water. And every day she took a capful of water. And she carried her two children on her back for 15 days because ISIS was destroying everything around them. Her husband had a construction business. And he's worth millions of dollars, and in one hour, ISIS had it all. Bank accounts and everything. And they walked. And I said, Manifa, how did you do it? And I want you to hear me. She did not have Christ. And she said, with every step I took, I said, I shall live. And she made it to Greece. We need that tenacity in our spirit, gang. <laughs> we need that tenacity. Do you know that in, uh, in the persecuted church, if you ask a pastor what his life verse is, he'll quote you Revelations 10, that I would be faithful and not love my life unto death that I'd be willing to die for the Lord. That's their life verse. Where do you go from there? <sighs> because this gospel isn't about them. It's about him. And the proof of that is how we live our lives. God gave us a dream a few years ago to go into Romania. We've been working in Africa, and we're like, God, we're already stretched to the bone. We don't know how we're going to do this. But we went because we knew it was the Lord, and he had confirmed it several different times, and we connected with a social worker who is working with the lowest of the low. These are young men and women that have been addicted since they were five or six years old. They're born into the tunnels under the street. They've raised themselves since they were five or six. They don't know normal. There's no normal. There's no comfort. We've been in places where you have to walk a few days just to go to church. And I have to ask myself, how many of us would be here if we had to do a two days hike and sit on the dirt? Are we really hungry for Jesus? We went to Romania and we sat with the heroin users. They don't know any different. They're sitting there and they're huffing their paint bags because they don't know how to be normal. They don't know how not to be high. And the blessed glory of God comes down on them. The Holy Spirit moves on their hearts. And they look up and they say, we want to follow Jesus. How do we do that? Where do you start? So we have this little community there that we've baptized. 
They're getting their minds back. They're getting their lives back. And we want to establish a little safe house for them so that they can come in and they can experience the Holy Spirit. And we've come together with Teen Challenge there. They have a wonderful facility, but we need a next step. We need a place from under the tunnels to Teen Challenge because they have no idea how to handle structure in their lives. And so Brad and I want to provide a house for them to go to so that they can, they can have some sense of normal, so that they can have some sense of peace. I can tell you the witchcraft and the atmosphere of that place is so charged. How blessed you are to come into a house where the Holy Spirit hovers and you have nice chairs to sit in and you have carpet and you have all this. You're blessed. But what happens when this goes away? Can you feed yourselves? Can you feed your neighbors? Can you live this gospel out? See, I'm challenging myself because sometimes we want to quit. I mean, we've had typhoid. We've had malaria. We've been bullets flying everywhere. We've been surrounded by soldiers. But I've decided that Jesus is really worth it. And if we go home, then we're in a much better place than we are sticking around here. And we have to settle that in our hearts. Because that's a reality. Sooner or later, you're going to die. You might as well go out with a bang. <laughs> you know, and we have a lot of people say, you know what? It's just not our time to go. We have children. Don't want to take my children on the mission field. But I have to think about this. God the Father sent his son. I mean, these are the things that when we get in this book, if we really apply it to our lives and we write ourselves in the story, it'll scare the bejeebers out of you. But it will inspire you. Because this is not a historical book. We are now New Testament, New Covenant people who are commissioned and called to go, who are commissioned and called to run with the glory of God. And if you can go across the street, if you can go across to your neighbors, you're ready to go across the world. We didn't have any training. We just said yes. And we are looking for people to jump on board with us. Because we've spread ourselves pretty thin. We're in Greece, Romania, South Sudan, South Sudan and Ethiopia. We have a story to share with you about South Sudan. Is, is Rick still in here, Rick Arrowwood? <laughs> we love you, Rick Arrowwood. <laughs> K-Hop has been play, praying for us for a number of years. I kid you not, y'all have kept us alive. And we joined together on a Zoom call. Technology is great because we get to hook up every once in a while. And we all pray together over a Zoom call. And we're seeing the hand of God move in our region in ways that we could not have anticipated at all. And so I want to share a story, a story about that that we shared with Pastor Dave. And he said, you've got to let people know that. Because <laughs> um, we're about the most least, least likely people to do any of this. I don't even like to fly. I just sit in there, I'm like, oh, Jesus, oh, Jesus. <laughs> but it works. 
So I'm trying very hard not to be really intense, but the reality of our world is intense. And I believe that the gospel is very serious. I think we've been too lighthearted. And, you know, we spent several months in South Sudan, and everywhere we went, people were begging us for Bibles, and we gave away our Bibles. We gave away all that we had. They're still begging us for Bibles. And then Brad and I came back here, and one day we were looking for something, and we went into a Christian bookstore. And I about had to run out of there just bawling my eyes out because I couldn't believe what America has. Or standing in front of a washing machine when the water's pouring into the washing machine and it's clean. And I didn't have to go to the river and get a bucket. And I'm thinking, my ladies will never see this. It's not about me, it's about them. They'll never see this. Every time you turn on the water in your kitchen sink, 90% of the world never sees that. Do you know what God has given you? So that's why we're a little bit tense. <laughs> We've seen both sides of the coin, and, and I really believe that as much joy as we have, the joy of the Lord is our strength. And yes, that has to manifest because that's what keeps us going in the really tough times. There is a very seriousness and sobriety to the gospel. And most of the world knows that. Do you know that Iran now has the fastest growing church in all the world? Yeah, Jesus. I want you to think about this. This is the country that has all their nuclear weapons pointed at Israel. And there is an underground movement of believers who are loving the Jewish nation, who are praying for it, that the government has no idea what's going on. Only Jesus could do that. He uses the foolishness of the world to confound the wise. Now, this church in Iran, it has no central leadership. They own no buildings, and it's being led by women. Jesus just broke the box over there. And this is what happens when we put God in a box, we crawl in the box with him. And we don't go anywhere. We're just in the box. He can do what he wants. It's his kingdom. And these ladies, it's 90% guaranteed that when they leave their door, they're going to be met with some sort of violence at some point in their lives. And I sat and I watched this documentary of these women who said, we've made an agreement with our husbands, and if we die and if we're raped, we're just going to offer up our bodies to the living God as a living sacrifice so that his kingdom can come. We were sitting in a house in Addis Ababa, it was a very, it was Ramadan, very strange afternoon. And on one side of us, we had the Orthodox who were singing. They, they have certain times of the day that they sing. I don't know what they're saying. But on the other side, we had the mosque. And they were singing. 
I'm, I'm sitting there with the Lord going, why do you want me to hear this? And I'm seeing that the mosque is full. And I'm seeing our prayer meetings in America with one, two, three people. I'm seeing the houses of prayer from other religions with people being sent out, with people going, with people laying down their lives for what they believe is the cause. And one or two or three people show up at our prayer meetings because we've just let life dictate to us our priorities. And that's why I so appreciate Rick and K-Hop and the prayer that they've extended towards us because we have found ourselves in a place where we have contended for the nation of South Sudan. We went there, it spiraled into a civil war. And we came out to Ethiopia with all the other refugees. And we refused to let go of that nation because God had spoken a prophetic declaration over it that it was the womb of righteousness for the African continent because they had stood up in the beginning at their conception and said, we will be a Christian nation. And then they fell under the principalities of tribalism and genocide. And Brad and I have continued to contend. People in this house have continued to contend. I think I told you last time we were here, we had children that came into our compound for 100 nights praying for the peace of South Sudan. And it was after that prayer time, after we had recorded their little voices, and I'm telling you, it was a prayer meeting. They were in the dirt, tears and snot were running everywhere, and they were screaming at the top of their lungs, God save our nation. For 100 nights, 50 kids. And they signed a peace agreement. And we were all rejoicing and we were all making plans because God began to speak to us about the, the year 2020 as being a pivotal year and, and 20 represents the end of a long-awaited period. And it had been five years since we had touched the soil of South Sudan. And we kept saying, oh, God, just send us back. Oh, God, give us a team. We'll raise up our nationals. We'll go in and we'll plant churches. We'll do whatever you want to do. And the next thing we know, we had these visitors at our compound, and it was the chaplains and the security people from the opposition army. And when they came to our house, I'd been sitting in the Word, and I was looking at Ezekiel 37, and God was speaking to me about the Valley of Dry Bones. And these men who have been at war for five years, who have committed genocide and had genocide committed against them, were sitting in our compound, broken. And they said, we've come to you because we realize our need for Jesus. We've been trying to take our nation by force, and if we don't have a change in our people and in our hearts, we will continue to be at war. What can you help us with? They said, we don't know how to forgive. We don't know how to be reconciled to God. In fact, at one point in time, they told us it was as if the thought of God had left our minds. Now, how many in here are saved? How many in here are born again? Would you just raise your hand? Let me ask you something. 
Do you remember what it was like to be lost? Do you remember what it was like to be lost and have no one looking for you? That puts a different spin on it, doesn't it? And they came to us, and this security man looks at me. Number one, they don't talk to women there. And they came, and they asked for the old woman that prophesies. I'm like, great. I'm an old woman now. Or whatever. Because they were so broken. And they said, we're like a valley of dry bones, and we've lost all our hope. Will you come? And we said, we're going to pray because that's, they're out in the no-go zone. If you go on the embassy website, that's the area that they say don't go there. And I had this demon of fear just right in front of me because I've been surrounded. I've had bullets. I knew what the Lord was calling us to. I have grand, grandbabies back home. And all of that is right there. And I said, Lord, if you give me the strength, I will possess my soul and I will go. And so we made plans to go and they said, we're going to send you with an escort. That never happened, but we went. And we drove about as far as the road would go. And they said, we're going to pick you up and give you a ride into our base because we went across the border of South Sudan and there was no truck. <laughs> so we had two choices, turn around, go home and say, well, that wasn't God. I'm telling you, when you learn to hear God, you've got to go and do what he's asking you to do. And trust him with the rest. So we got out and we were met by about 15, 20 people that were carrying our goods because we were out camping in the middle of nowhere and they led us right through the base where all those soldiers and child soldiers and people that we want to get our hands on, they're there to 40 generals, 40 broken generals who had been living on grass. They're not being paid by the South Sudanese government because they're the opposition side. And they said, nobody else would do this for us. Can you teach us how to forgive? And so we spent three days talking about repentance and mercy and forgiveness. And in the middle of the meeting, we said, you are strong men. Like, you can't believe how strong these South Sudanese people are. They are survivors. I said, you can will yourself to do just about anything, but you cannot will yourself to forgive people who have raped your wives and killed your children. You have to ask the Holy Spirit to come help you. And these generals, 40 of them, hit the dirt on their knees. And the Holy Spirit just went, and they began crying out to God saying, change us. Just two little people that said yes. So we came back to Gambella. Roger's been to Gambella. You know how bad it is when Gambella seems normal, 
and peaceful. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I was stretched. I was stretched about as far as I could be stretched with God. And we got back, and their military leader, who is a leader in the nation, once he gets reinstated, called my husband and said, I want to open up my military to you. We want to do this God's way. I'm not making this up. <laughs> you tell me what military in the world is open to the gospel. And he said, if you'll come do this for us, anything that you want to do in South Sudan, I'll open the door for you. That was Jesus saying, come on home. <laughs> Prayer. Because people were in the prayer meeting. Because people were laying aside their lives and going to the prayer meeting. People are laying aside their lives and going to see their neighbors. I mean, in, in today's day and age, sharing the gospel can get you killed. But Christians were never meant to be afraid or weak or clinging to their lives. Never. And even Jesus, he told his disciples, he says, I'm sending you out as sheep among wolves. And so many times we go out as sheep among sheep. Are you hearing me? And I'm speaking to myself. I get really scared sometimes. I don't like having malaria. I don't like crawling in a van and going out in the middle of nowhere where the rats are and the guns are and the soldiers are. And when we got to the border of South Sudan, I'm going to show you a picture here in a little bit. We got to the border of South Sudan, and these men came and insisted on picking us up and carrying us across the water. And I thought that was silly. I thought, oh, they're doing that because they think Americans can't do anything. And the Holy Spirit said, be still. And I let these men pick me up and carry me across the border. And when my feet touched the soil of South Sudan for the first time in five years, the Holy Spirit hit my body and I could have run for the next 10 miles. I wasn't thinking about my life after that moment. I wasn't thinking about what could or should go down. I was just living in the glory. And one young man walked up to me. Nobody speaks English over there. He ran up to me and he said, Welcome home, Mama. <laughs> I mean, it's our nation. <laughs> so we've been caring for kids from the ages of 20 to 22, and now our 20-year-olds are going, we're ready to go home, Mom. Let's do this thing. And doesn't the kingdom go into nations just like you're doing in Colombia, just like you're doing in Panama, just like you're doing all over the earth? You go into the nations and you lay the foundation and the will of God in that soil amongst the people. And you don't look back. You only look forward because we don't belong to this earth anyway. Are you ready to pay the price? We all have our sellout point, guys, and we need to take those before the Lord. Because I've determined that my Muslim brothers and sisters, they are every bit worth the blood of Christ, because I was. 
Why is it that I'm worth the blood of Christ and they're not? Or my neighbor? And Satan's biggest strategy is to get us to keep Jesus to ourselves. Well, my faith is private. And when we believe that lie, what we do is we shut ourselves out from people living in darkness. Because the devil wants us to keep Jesus to ourselves, and I never want to fulfill evil's desires. It's the will of God or nothing. And I know you're here because you want to follow the will of God. You want to give yourself to something that's so much bigger than yourself. And it's called the kingdom. Could you pull those pictures up? Because I want to show you something. We had no intention. You know, we had dreams of going back to South Sudan. We didn't know that it was going to be to talk to the military. As you can see, there, like there's nothing out there. There's stuff out there. There is stuff out there. I didn't want to know what it was. But we're just walking. You can go to the next one. We walked for two, two and a half hours carrying our stuff. Because Jesus said to go. You can go to the next one. And there they are carrying me across the river. And if you can see the red sash on that man, I didn't, Brad and I didn't see this until we were sitting with Scott West one day. And we were showing him this picture and the Holy Spirit fell on him. And he's like, I'm seeing Joshua 1 where they carry the Ark of the Covenant, the presence of God back into the land. He said, that's what they're doing. And that man was actually a priest. Remember I said, Holy Spirit told me, be quiet, just do it. <laughs> you can show me the next one. That's our military base. Doesn't look like off it, does it? They've been at war for 50-some years. And they said it's as if the thought of Jesus left our minds. And nobody else would do this for us. We know what the world thinks of us. And now we have the hope of Christ again. We want to submit our nation to God. So here's your invitation. <laughs> when Christopher was singing that song about the glory of the Lord filling the earth, it got very weighty in here. Did you feel that? Like, this is a house of champions. This is a house where y'all love your lives not unto death. And he's singing that song, and the only way the glory is going to manifest across this earth is if we're ready and willing to say yes. You know that when the Muslims are coming into the port cities in Greece, they hit those ports, and if they see a white person, they're coming up and they're saying, do you have the book? What happens if we don't have the book? What happens if we're not standing there? Islam has let them down. 
but Jesus will never let us down. And so Brad and I are going back. We're going back to the generals. We're leaving the end of this month. We've got to purchase a whole bunch of solar audio Bibles so that they can hear the word of God in their language. We're inviting people to come. We're inviting people to lay down our lives, either with us or with anybody else. See, we're all the body. And it really does matter. We need to be praying for the persecuted church. There's brothers and sisters who will never experience this, who will never know what it's like to stand in the freedom of a country and be able to shout the praises of the Most High. That should bother us. And if this was flipped, oh my goodness, wouldn't I want them praying for me? Because that's what the body's all about. And so I want to invite you, when you're thinking about these cards and the commitment you want to make to God, your yes really matters to someone living in darkness. I'm not saying you have to change the whole world, but if we go one by one, Heidi's been saying it for years, and I know we all love Heidi Baker, but she has championed just stop for the one. That's all you got to do. And you don't even have to give them the gospel. You just love on them and tell them that they're important and they're valuable, and you let the Holy Ghost do the rest. I think Jesus is working on your hearts. It's really quiet in here. How many of you would raise your hand and would say that in this time that we've been worshiping and we've been teaching, God's been speaking to you about a nation? Would you be willing to raise your hands? Whoa. Would you be willing to ask God, what's the next step? You see, Brad and I, had we never had any intentions on going to Africa, but we did have every intention in following Jesus. And I wouldn't change it for anything. Would you, honey? <laughs> and we've met some rascals in our day, but they know Jesus now. <laughs> Thanks for listening to our podcast. If you'd like to help more people hear this message, you can get the word out by subscribing and sharing it on social media. If you'd like to support the ministries of Heartland Church, you can do so at heartlandchurchonline.com give.